uh, what the biggest need is, is for uh, people to come alongside the leaders, like pastors and missionaries and lay leaders, and, and just um, invest in them, pour into their lives, um, and also to help them minister out of their intimacy and their intimate walk with Jesus. And you wouldn't believe that for us in the, in the, the ministry that it is very easy to drift from that, very easy. Um, and so we just need to come back again and again uh, and receive so that we're actually giving out a fullness of abundant love rather than out of guilt or just ambition or emptiness and which leads to depression and burnout and all the other stuff that um, people do experience if they're not receiving. Um, so we're, we're been, we've been doing that and um, we're just really excited. And we do that through coaching, mentoring, uh, giving spiritual direction, um, hosting spiritual retreats, and uh, prayer counseling and other forms of ministry. I'm gonna read a scripture to you. Um, <clears throat> it's a familiar scripture, but it is in a translation that perhaps is not familiar, and that is the International Children's Version. And this passage, to me, the way they present it just brings home the truth that Paul wanted to give, to, to extend to us, at least to us North Americans. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, <clears throat> it says, so we do not give up. We do not give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker some of us more than others right now. But our spirit inside is made new every day. We have small troubles, and those small troubles were, just for context, martyrdom, serious persecution. We have small troubles for a while now, but they are helping us gain an eternal glory. That glory is much greater than the troubles. So, we set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. What we see will only last a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. So much of what we focus on and what the world focuses on is not the most important thing. The various troubles and issues of our personal lives, our weaknesses, our physical needs, our accomplishments, our failures, or even the, the various threats that we see in society that seem so big, the volatile economy, the looming recession, divisive politics. These seem so big, so overbearing. But Paul here says that these things that, the, that we would, would naturally focus on are just fleeting. They won't last. We can't even control them anyways. So let's not focus on them. But the most important thing, the lasting things, are invisible. 
And in the foundation, the most essential thing is God, his kingdom, his spirit activity, and their impact on our lives and the lives around us, on our thoughts, our worldview, our deep-seated emotions, our character, and our behavior. And though people can't see God and his kingdom and that activity, the results and the fruit eventually will be seen and felt. Remember, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a buried treasure. The kingdom of God is like things that are small and it's easy to pass them by, but they grow into something big. They grow into something when they're found that is worth more than anything else in this world and will last for all of eternity. And that will affect not only us, but our families, communities, and society as a whole. So, God calls us to focus on the eternal, on the invisible. And this will bring real and tangible results. Glory. When I think of glory, I think of the revealing of the goodness and the beauty of the Lord. It's like when it's revealed, and it's like, wow. Our God is amazing. And every time that someone sees something incredibly beautiful through his spirit, that is glory, and that will last forever. So when we face fearful or distressing or confusing situations, then our question is, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to discern in this situation? What do you want me to focus on here to see, to do? So that being said, that's kind of an intro to sharing a little bit about uh, what we've experienced in the last few months. Um, and so we're going to go from talking about the invisible to the visible, then back to the invisible. So let's go to the visible. A few months back, you all know what happened in Ukraine. You were very involved in the ministry um, to the refugees in Latvia. But when it first happened, uh, it's hard to explain. It, it was like electricity went through all, the, all of the society in Latvia because they went through a very similar history as Ukraine. They were part of the Soviet Union. They just gained their independence and they had the fear of they could lose it. Any day Russia could invade. So when this happened, that the, the instant instinct was anxiety and fear and when will this happen to us? And all the stories that their grandparents shared with them about the occupation and the invasion of the Soviet Union and the Nazi Germany and then Soviet Union was like fresh on their minds. And they felt like what was happening there was happening to them. They could closely identify. But then there was the question in our lives and in the church. It's like, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to focus on? There's so much going on. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and what's going to happen tomorrow. But what can we focus on? And God brought Ephesians 6, 12 to 13 to our minds. 
And I'm going to read it to you also from the children's version, because it just, um, yeah, that idea is so clear there. It says, our fight is not against people on earth. We are fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. We are fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. That is why you need to get God's full armor. Then on the day of evil, you will be able to stand strong. And when you have finished the whole fight, you will be standing. And actually, even on the first day of the war, in the middle of that fear and confusion, there was a very strong calling from the Lord that he is calling us to get involved in the fight through prayer. That's how we get involved in the fight, through prayer. And so he just put it on our hearts to lay aside things we were doing and enter into a much larger extent of prayer. And several of us from the church would just meet together in the parking lot every day to lift up not only the Ukrainians, but also the Russians and the Latvians and just lift them up in all of their needs to the Lord and just stand in the fact that in the midst of the day of evil, we can stand strong because God is victorious and just trusting and asking that in the face of war, he will reveal his goodness, he will fulfill his purpose. And it was amazing. Um, one person also initiated a fasting schedule and the Lord worked through that in empowering us to be able to weep with those who are weeping, but continue to stand in faith and hope and praying scripture over them. And um, yeah, we, we didn't know what was going on, but the Lord is so good to give us glimpses of what one day we will really find out all the ways he's been answering our prayers. But I just want to share one of the glimpses that he gave us we found out about that a little bit later. It was two friends of ours that live in different parts of Latvia. They don't know each other, but they had very similar stories. And the man, he was saying, I was woken up in the middle of the night with a sense that I had to pray. And I didn't know what I was praying about, but I knew that there was something dangerous that was happening and I needed to enter into the fight through prayer. And he says, I'm not a prayer warrior. I don't do these kind of things. I don't wake up in the middle of the night and pray. But he said, I couldn't stop praying like the Lord had me praying for two hours until I had the sense of peace that I could go back to sleep. And then a woman from a different part of Latvia that we also know told a very similar story. And they both went on to say that a day later they found out, they read in the news, that that was the night when the fighting got very close to the Chernobyl nuclear station. And if that had started burning all of Europe would have been exposed to radioactivity. And just the awe that God would involve us in that, that he would wake us up. And I know he was waking up people all over the world <laughs> to pray, but he involves us in history as a partner and protects us and turns evil into opportunities to show his goodness. So that was just one glimpse. We wait for the day when we hear all the stories. Mm -hmm. You know, as a people, the, the Latvians um, have been occupied um, by various countries, and they're a very small country. <clears throat> and so they don't see them, they see themselves as kind of small, and, and because they've been 
oppressed by different um, countries, then it's very easy to just experience the victim, that they're victims. And so we've been praying about that, and Latvians themselves have acknowledged that to us. It's like, boy, how can God lift us out of this? And uh, it's been amazing since um, the Ukrainian uh, invasion, uh, Latvians have just stepped up. They have opened up their heart, opened up their wallets, and opened up their homes, and they've taken a lot of initiative to be active agents of love rather than just saying we can't help, we can't do anything. And the first day, or was it two days, they gave one million euros, and there's only about a million Latvians uh, in Latvia. So they gave one million euros, and they're not a rich, pe rich people. Um, and then within two weeks, they gave six million euros for the effort, which is uh, pretty profound. They're in fact, next to the US, they've given most per capita, but it's because our government in the US has given so much. There, it's the people, it's, it's companies and organizations and people that are giving. So <clears throat> they also have opened up their um, homes and, and we've seen uh, lots of people engaged in uh, inviting Ukrainians. One lady, um, Ukrainian lady, was sharing with me with tears in her eyes just that the Latvians have been just amazing and uh, how they've opened up and they've given us and we don't know how to repay them. And I said, yeah, I'm just so proud of Latvia. Like, it's, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and there was a Latvian lady and she was part of the conversation. And with tears in her eyes, she said, we had no idea we had it within us. And uh, so just seeing that God is using even something so horrible and horrendous, but he is actually working something good in, in the Latvian um, nation as a whole, but also in the church's life. And you had a chance to be part of not only helping the Ukrainian refugees, but be part of this redemption of the Latvian people, going from a victim mentality to an agent mentality as you send finances. And they were empowered. Several of our friends, first-generation Christians, left their jobs to just help full-time organizing this refugee work. And you were part of that. So... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and this is like totally besides the point, but I just wanted to thank you, Mario, because um, you shared your bathroom with us this whole time. <laughs> we kind of, you had to go somewhere else. <laughs> so it just came to my mind that everyone is helping out in different ways and just thank you to you too. <laughs> yeah. So we would like to share a song with you. Um, and that song, so Laura, yeah, Laura can come up. So this song has been kind of a, a mainstay uh, for us during this season. It's called The Blessing. And it's just a reminder of God's heart. He loves to bless. And uh, we're going to sing it. I learned it, uh, the first verse in Ukrainian. I don't know Ukrainian, so all those Ukrainians out there, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll pronounce it so correctly, but I'll do my best. Um, but it's just a reminder, too, that in all situations, even for our brothers and sisters uh, that are facing war and experiencing, you know, um, displacement, that, they are, that God wants to bless them. And then Laura's going to sing it in Latvian, the first verse, and then we'll sing it in English. 
Um, and for those of you that know the, uh, the song, you can sing along with us too.
So Laura and Deborah will be going to the Sunday school. Um, oh, there's a little bit of time left <laughs> for them to share. Um, the passage that I'm going to read from now, and I'll give just a, a small sermonette, so don't worry, you won't be here too long. Um, but it is something that God has been 
speaking to me for about three or four years now. And, um, and you know, it is, it's okay to camp out on a passage. You realize that, right? So if God is speaking to you during this season, during your certain stage, in a certain way, you can stay there. You can allow God's Spirit working, to work with you. And this is one of the passages that I would like to share with you. And it's in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. <clears throat> Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come, Jesus says, to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, when we experience exhaustion, we're tired, we're feeling weak, feeling overwhelmed or frustrated or confused, then that's like the perfect uh, time to respond to this invitation. This invitation is for you and for me. Jesus is saying, hey, come, come to me, and I will give you rest. Receive from me and learn from me. This is a perfect opportunity for you to experience something deeper. It's interesting that Jesus here doesn't say that I'm going to relieve you from all burdens and responsibilities. That would be kind of the assumption, right? Come to me when you're just tired and I'm just going to take it all from you and you can fly like a bird. And, but no, he says, then receive from me a yoke. For those of you that don't know, I'm pretty sure that you probably, most of you do know, a yoke is something that farmers use. It's a piece of wood that combines two animals so that they can pull and they can do various tasks that are important for the functioning of the farm. And Jesus says, hey, I have this yoke for you, but it's my yoke. It's something that I'm going to share with you. We are created to carry a burden. That's how God created us. A task that is bigger than us. And if we don't take on Jesus' task, his yoke, then we will naturally substitute it with something that doesn't fit and it certainly doesn't lead to rest. The task that we are called to do is not only given by Jesus, but it is carried together with Jesus. And he carries the bigger portion of it. And the exciting thing about this task that he has given each one of us is that it is fitted for us. 
that word that is used in the end of the passage, that my yoke is easy, my burden is light, the easy word in Greek is krestos. And it does mean easy, but more appropriately and more specifically, it means it is suitable, it is fitted, it is fitted for you. And Jesus, he does this in real time. And as we're together with him, he is changing this task. He is changing, he's inviting into a new freshness with him. Our, our relationship with Jesus is dynamic. It really is. It fits us for where we're at in the stage that we are in, the season that God has us, with the gifts that he's given, with all the history we have. Jesus knows specifically what is best, and it says, that he is a trainer. Like he says, learn from me. And he says, not only that, he says, your trainers that you've had, they're not like me. I am humble. I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm not going to oppress you and push you down. I am going to encourage you and challenge you but I'm gonna do it slowly, step by step, in the way that I know best. Learn from me. Take my yoke and learn from me. I don't know about you, but I want change immediately. I want like that, like metaphorically, like going from a couch potato to a marathon run, runner in one day, you know? And it's like, man, I need to grow in Christ. I need, I read the Bible and there's so much I want to experience and I want to experience it now. And God, in his infinite wisdom, he knows what is best. Jesus says, hey, whoa, buddy, slow down. Let's work on this together. Progressively, he gives us what we need in the time we need us and he invites us and challenges us to do those things. Um, and that's why it is important to discern, to learn, discern, and this is a process too, to discern to God's voice, God's work, and his presence in your life. Lord, what do you want me to focus on right now? Out of all the million, all the different commands and all the different characteristics that you wanna work in my life, what is the, that one area or two areas or whatever, what do you want to do in my life? I'll give you a, just a quick example. Um, as a missionary, uh, I have a lot of interaction with people, and for the most part, I feel fairly free, and um, I feel good. I feel in my comfort zone. But we live in an apartment complex in the middle of Grand Central Station, and I get kind of tired going outside, and there's lots of people out there. And I don't, a lot of them I don't understand. I have interaction with, there's a few of them that don't like me. Most of them, they, you know, they, they're, they're okay with us, and, or they, we have a good relationship, but then there's a few that we don't know, and they don't like us, and we're not sure if there's, what that's all about, but 
I realized over time that I was just like, I don't want to see people. I just, I, when I go out of the apartment complex, I, there's all these opportunities, but I just want to do my thing and come back. And Jesus was like tapping on my shoulder and just saying, hey, this, I want to grow this character where you're free outside of your comfort zone and you have the courage to love, to go beyond just being you know, self-conscious, um, but to go beyond that and to grow in actually courageously loving others. So he didn't invite me immediately to just jump in and talk to the most difficult person about Jesus. That wasn't his plan for me. But rather, he wanted me just to... He says, and it was just very strong, this impression. Like, you know, when you go out, you put those earbuds in, you know, if you're taking a run or a walk, I want you to not have those. And I want you just to be aware of the people around you. And then I want you to pray, start praying for those people. So that was kind of a first, you know, first step at that point. And it was, uh, and then later it was like, okay, we've gotten this far. What are you experiencing? I experience a lot of resistance. I just, I definitely want to put those earbuds on and, and just do my thing. But this is good. This is good, Lord. Um, this is stretching, and, and I'm finding that you are actually meeting me, and I'm starting to see with more, again, more with eyes of love and your perspective, how you view others, which is actually a very good question to ask if you're struggling with someone. Lord, what do you think about so-and-so? So that's a good question. But he started changing my perspective on certain people, and then that fellow that you usually try to avoid, because you know he's just going to ignore you or give you a look, you just go up to him, just walk toward him. So just that process of, okay, slowly God training me in righteousness and godliness, no matter where we're at, what stage of life we're in, we're all part of that process. It does not finish. So this kind of interactive relationship where Jesus is fitting this yoke for you is for each one of us to be experienced. I'm going to pray, and, um, and as I pray, I just uh, want to invite the, the instrumental um, musicians up, and they will play a song afterwards. And uh, during that, that time, just want you to acknowledge or no matter where you're at, whether you're just feeling tired and worn out, you can acknowledge that burden to the Lord and give it to him. And maybe that's where you're at. That's fantastic. And maybe that's where he wants to stop you at this point. That's good. But during this time, just give those burdens to him. Or maybe you've given your burdens to him, but he is actually calling you to a particular task with him. You can talk to him about that this time, too. What is he inviting you into? To come to him, but where does he want you to learn from him, himself, Jesus? So, Father, we just thank you that you are the most important, the essential, the creator of the universe, holy, 
infinite, but yet you are here intimately involved in our lives. And Jesus, through your spirit, you want to empower us, to train us. You invite us, Lord, to come to you with our burdens. We want to put them at your feet and exchange it for your yoke that is fitting. And the burden that you give, Lord, will be light together with you. Remind us, Lord. Remind us it's together with you and not to take on more, not to take on less, not to go too quickly or too slowly, but to keep keep in step with your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.